Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. And now we're going to talk about those things that are in the heart that defile a man. And Jesus here, or here in Mark, it's telling us, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murderers, thieves, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness, All these evil things come from within. And what's it say? It says, and it defiles a man. Right? Is that not what it says? And it defiles a man. And so we see that these things defile a man. Out of the heart come these evil thoughts, these actions that we give into. These these things that are listed can block the flow of freedom in our life. From walking in freedom and living in freedom. When we entertain these things, when we take these things in, they become blockages to the freedom of our life. As the traveler did to the rich man that I read to you in 2 Samuel, the traveler was invited in and he came and he ate from a table and he brought in and he enticed the rich man to do things that the rich man normally would not have done. He invited the traveler in, the wayward man in. And that is what sin is in our life. It's not God's perfect will for our life, but it will keep us from walking in freedom, as it says here in the Scripture. Now I want you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 10, and verse 38. There is an answer. I mean, you're thankful there's an answer. We have an answer this morning for every evil work, every deed, everything that we have invited into our life that brings pollution to our life. How do we deal with it? We deal with it like Jesus dealt with it. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, the Bible tells us this, how God had anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How many know that through the blood of Jesus, through Christ, he was anointed to heal all those who had been oppressed of the devil, all those that had diseases, all of those that had sin, all of those that had opened the door to the traveler of sin that came in, the wayward man that we allowed to sit at the seat of our heart that invited in. Jesus was anointed 
to do good and to release us and bring freedom to those who are oppressed of the devil. How many know that's good news this morning? If that's good news, say amen this morning. And so everything in us that, that we have allowed that's not God, when we've eaten, as we've talked about, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when we've allowed things in that have polluted our lives, that we have allowed in to come in, that becomes a pollution in our lives, it keeps us from freedom. Some of us this morning, we've allowed things in our lives that have stopped the flow of the freedom of God from moving in our life. We've allowed certain sins, hidden sins, or sins that can become predominant in our life. And so it has blocked the freedom by which we walk in this morning. In other words, the way we deal with this pollution or the way that we deal with it is that in our lives we need a cleansing. We need the washing of the water of the Word of God. We need Jesus to wash us and cleanse us and make us whole again this morning. But every man has to deal with it. Every man has to deal with his own sin. Every man has to deal with the traveler that comes by his house. Some of you, the traveler, came by this week. And you invited him in. Some of you, the traveler, has been there for a while. And he's ate at your table. He's caused you to take from your neighbor. He's caused you to do things that, that you don't want to do. But yet the traveler still remains. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God wants you to get rid of the traveler this morning. He wants you to evict the traveler out of your house this morning. Acts 10, 28, this verse that we read, I love it because uh, it's an interesting thing because the Bible said that, that he came and he freed all those who were oppressed by the devil. The word oppressed there comes from a word that means, it comes from the Greek word, two words, kata, which means to push down, and uh, the kata eustio, uh, which means to have power over, or it means to have power to push down. Those who were oppressed of the devil, those who have been pushed down by the enemy, those who've been oppressed by the devil, those who have, the enemy has stood over them as the posture of dominion, as the posture of dominion over their life. And when we give in to sin and when we open our lives and we open the door to the traveler and we open the door to sin, the enemy comes in and he begins to oppress us. He stands over us in a place of dominion. When we give in to those things that I mentioned in Mark chapter 7, what we've done is we've allowed the traveler to have a place in our heart, in our house, and what happens is he begins to oppress our life. He pushes down with dominion over our life, and we lack freedom, and we do not have the freedom that God has designed for us to have. In other words, you become, one translation, the NIV says this, who were under the power of the devil. So we were, we were you know, uh, so we are where we are because, listen, we are in, where we are in our life because we, we've allowed certain things to happen in our life. We're where we are today because of one of three things. One, we're in, we're in where we are today because of the stuff that we have done to ourselves, a lot of times the things that we battle are things that we've done to ourselves. The decisions that we made, the choices that we've made in life, the choices that we made, how we have sinned, we begin to reap the consequences because of some of the choices that we made. 
Some of the battles that you have and I have come out of the choices that we make. Some of them come out of the battles that we have. We've opened the door. We have chosen to open the door to those areas of sin in our life. And what happens is now we have to reap the consequences of allowing the traveler to come in. And so a lot of times the situation and lack of freedom in our life comes by the decisions we make too. Sometimes those decisions come because the condition we're in because of what others have done to us. Not only are we in it because of the things that we've done, but also because of the things that others have done to us. Something we had no decision in. Something we didn't ask for. Something that was produced in us that came out of decisions that others had made for us. The scars, the confusion, or a tragedy. Something that created a wound in our hearts. Something that created uh, uh, something in us that caused us to, to be bent toward a certain way or to allow a certain level of sin to remain in our life. And so what happens is we, we lack the freedom because we've responded to that pain in a certain way. And we don't walk in freedom because we have not been able to get through what others have done to us. And then thirdly, there's what the devil wants to do to you. Do you realize the devil has a plan for your life? Y'all here this morning? I said, do you realize the devil has a plan for your life? That he wants to destroy you? That he wants to come against you? Not only are the things that we have done in our life and choices we've made, not only the choices that others have made in our life, but the devil wants to destroy you. The enemy wants to come and destroy you, and he wants to, to uh, the enemy has a plan for your life, a plan to uh, not allow you to walk in freedom. He wants you to not be free, but always be under the power of the influence of Satan and the demonic. He always wants you to be under. He wants you to be pressed on, have dominion over. He don't want you to have freedom. He's planned out how to destroy your life and bring destruction into your life. He wants you to be confused and depressed and numb. He wants you to be in a place where you are, you are under his thumb, polluted with pain and heartache. He doesn't want you to step in and be a vessel of honor that God can use, that he has designed you to be. Because what happens is, as long as you are oppressed, of the devil, as long as you have given in to those things, what happens is, is that you no longer now are a vessel of honor, but you are, are, are pushed down and there's dominion over your life and there's lack of freedom. And so you don't walk in the freedom that God has intended for your life. I'm here to tell you that it's more spiritual than you think. And I'm telling you, we live in an hour when we have tried to dismiss those things that are spiritual. And the truth is, they're real. I'm telling you that, I, listen, you can't be like some people where there's a demon around every corner. You're driving down the road and you run out of gas and you want to blame the Chevron demon because you ran out of gas. It wasn't the Chevron demon, it's just that you didn't get gas. I'm telling you, there's not a devil around every corner, but I'm here to tell you that what you're going through and the battle that you're going through, I'm telling you, it's more spiritual than you think it is. 
There's a battle that is going on for your soul. There's a battle that's going on for your freedom. And if he can keep the believer from being free, then what he does, he has the inability, that believer has an inability to have an impact on the life of those that are around them. And so he wants to keep you from freedom. But I'm here to tell you a couple things this morning. First of all, there's good news. How many are thankful there's good news? How many are thankful we don't have to remain where we are? How many are thankful Jesus paid a price that once we've given in to something, we don't have to live there, stay there. We don't have to bank our life on it. Our reputations don't have to be made by it. But there's a freedom that can come in our life that we can be free from. And there's good news. And all of a sudden, freedom can begin to flow in our life. But you have to know a couple of things. First of all, you have to understand this, that the spiritual battle, uh, there is a real spiritual battle that is going on in you. And number one, you have to understand this. You have to understand that demons are real. It's not a symbolic force. It's not a metaphoric. I'm here to tell you that in Scripture, there are three angels that are named. Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. And the Bible tells us the story. In Isaiah 14, and Isaiah 28, or Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, you can read of the fall of Satan. The account of Lucifer and his fall in Revelation chapter 12 tells us, gives us the picture and the story of what had happened. The Bible tells us that, that Satan fell from heaven like lightning. It wasn't some Star Wars, it wasn't this Star Wars battle that went on. It wasn't this weeks and days and things that went on. The Bible says Satan fell like lightning. It was that quick. It was that fast. It was that immediate. That tells you how powerful your God is. You have a powerful God. Just as lightning strikes, that's how quick it was from the moment Satan rebelled that he ended up and was hurled to the earth, as Revelation 12 tells us. That tells you something. I don't tell you anything about Satan, but it tells you a whole lot about God. And I'm here to tell you that Satan is here. Satan wants to destroy our lives. The Bible said that he's come to deceive the whole world. That he was hurled to the earth. That he was cast to the earth. And so the truth is you need to know demons are real. You need to know that they're active and they want to destroy your life. Second of all, you need to know this. That, de uh, that demons want to destroy you. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Actually, let me read that to you. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may, may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In other words, Satan walks around like a roaring lion. Wanting to bring destruction to you and me in our lives. Satan schemes and he, he plans just like, just like the scripture says that he does. He schemes against you. He customizes his temptations and customizes things so that he can get you off track from the things of God. He schemes to destroy you and end you. But you have to understand 
That though it's a real spiritual battle, you have to understand this morning that he wants to destroy you. You have to understand that he's coming after you. He's coming after your family. He's coming after your freedom. He's coming after your joy. He's coming after your peace this morning. He wants you. He wants to destroy you. And you have to know, it says, have nothing to do with unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Unfruitful deeds, that means deeds, they don't help you anyway. So you must understand that, that, that the demons want to destroy you, the devil wants to destroy you. But here's the good news. Not only do we know that the demonic is real, not only do we know that the demonic wants to destroy you, but listen to this, you have to understand that demons must respond to a higher authority. Y'all hear that this morning? I said the enemy must respond to a higher authority this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and mighty in, and mighty in power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of darkness which which are in high places, spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. In other words, it's telling us this, that the battle that we have this morning is a spiritual battle. There is an authority that the devil has been given when he stole the heart of man in the garden. And Ephesians says that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but rulers and authorities and powers and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. But though it is spiritual, he has put weapons in our hands. I said he's put weapons in our hands. And though the demonic is real, and though the enemy is coming after you, and though there is an authority that has been given to Satan when he took from us in the garden, there is a higher authority that he must answer to. And the fact is that God, out of his mercy and grace, put in you the weapons that are needed to have victory and over the evil one. You know how I know that? I'm glad you ask. Because the Bible says this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now we have flesh, and we may not have a spiritual rank, but I'm here to tell you there is one greater in us. I said there's one greater in us. And the devil has to respond to spiritual authority. There is one that is greater in you than your adversary. Woo, that's good news this morning. To have one greater in us. Listen, so what is that authority that you have and I have? How do we overcome the traveler? How do we overcome these evil thoughts, these things that we've opened the door to in our life. How do we overcome? How do we release the greater one that is in us? What are the weapons that we have? What are the sources that God has given us to live in freedom and victory? I don't know about you, but are you interested in living in freedom this morning? Or do you just want to walk through the same mundane thing in your life? Give in, to, give in to temptation and give in and keep falling and keep giving in to the same sin and the same things. Keep falling into anger. Keep falling into lust. Keep falling into the things that trap you and keep you and keep you from walking in freedom. I'm here to tell you that, that Jesus, 
If you're saved, he lives in you. There's a power in you. I don't even know that you understand that you have this morning. There's an authority that God has given you. First of all, the first authority that he has given you, he's given you the highest authority that there is. Whew! Which is the name of Jesus. <laughs> Whew! There is no greater authority than the name of Jesus. How many know there's power in the name? Now, how many of y'all raise kids? Y'all got kids? Right? How many know that, you know, I could preach a lifetime on what my kids do? But how many know when my kids were growing up and it was time for dinner, I would send one of them to go get the rest for dinner? I'd say, go tell your brother and sister, come to dinner. And they would go and they'd say, hey, come to dinner. Dinner's ready. And it'd be five minutes and they weren't there. I said, go tell your brother and sister that it's time for dinner. And they'd go and they'd tell them. You know how they are? They lack a days. You know, I'm in the middle of my game. You know, and you got, and so, but when the one brother or sister comes, they don't care. It's the younger sister. They don't care. They, you know, she don't have authority. He don't have authority. They just ignore them. Sometimes maybe tell them, shut up. Get out of here. Right? Y'all, y'all raise kids or were I the only one that had kids like that? And so finally, I had to say, Tell them that dad said that if they're not here to eat in a minute, I'm coming after them. And it amazes me how fast they get because butts got moving. Why? Because they said dad said, right? And I want to tell you that we can sit and yell at the devil all we want. We can sit and yell at him and cry and and, and all this thing, but I'm here to tell you that there is a name that has authority, that has the ability to move the devil. I said, there's a name that has the authority to unlock your freedom. The Bible tells us this. It says in Luke chapter 10, it said the 72 went out and they returned with joy. And, and, it said, and they said, Lord, even the devil, demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He said, and I have given, listen, listen, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. He said, I have given you, I have given you, I have given you authority. How many know that there's authority in the name of Jesus? There's authority in his precious name. And if you want to dislodge some of the things that keep you from being free this morning, you have to say in the name of Jesus, you be gone. We have to understand there's authority. The Bible said this, that that at, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. It said every knee. It said every knee. Now we quote this scripture and we think that God, he's just talking about people. No, 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 no. He said every knee. Look what he said. He said that every knee shall bow. In heaven, in earth, and under the earth. 
Everything that is created, everything is under the authority of Jesus. Everything is under his name. Everything submits to him. And you must understand, you have authority in the name of Jesus this morning. Number two, there's authority in the word of God. Woo! Y'all hear that? I said there's authority in the word of God. And it's just not... It's just not a sword for devotion. Whew. I said it's just not a sword for devotion. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the overcomer. And the weapon of the overcomer was, it is written. I said, it is written. I said, what is written has authority. What has been said has authority. And the good thing is, is that when you're in the middle of a battle, not only has God given you the whole counsel of his word, but the Bible says he'll give you a rhema word. It is a word for now, a word for your battle, a word for your moment, a word for your struggle, a word for what you're fighting. It is a rhema word, right now word. It's a word that helps set you free in the moment that you're in. It is the word of God. Matthew 4, we've seen Jesus use the word of God against Satan himself. God will give you a verse. That verse will be a weapon. I love Psalms 27. It says if you're battling fear, if you've got fear going on in your life, Psalms 27 says the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If you're battling lack in your life, He shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. How many know there's a word? There's a rhema word. The word of God has authority. The word of God has authority to speak to your situation. Dislodge what you're battling. Dislodge that thing in your life that has held dominion on you and held you down. Whoo! Hallelujah. I'm tired. Number three, there's the authority. Oh, this is... There's the authority of the blood of the cross. (laughs) Listen to me. Satan has to submit to the higher authority of the name of Jesus. He has to submit to the higher authority of the word of God. But he has to ultimately submit to the ultimate defeat, which came through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what you're free from this morning. That's why you have the right to be free this morning. That's why you don't have to be in depression. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to live a place of bondage in your life and keep asking God. You have authority through the cross. There was a death that came and blood was shed so that your body and my body can walk in freedom this morning. I'm excited about it. He overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The moment Jesus died, I thought about that. I thought Satan must have had a party because he knew that God always worked through humanity in the earth. And as long as Jesus was dead, who was God going to work through? Oh, but. Oh, but. Woo! He didn't remain there. He didn't remain there. All Jesus was doing was paying for the sin so that our bodies and spirits can be free and be clean. The Bible said he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits 
and to heal every disease and sickness. I said he called his disciples together and gave them authority. Your authority this morning to be free comes through the highest authority, which is the name of Jesus, through the word of God, and through the authority of the blood of the cross. No, in these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo! Come on, say free. There's freedom this morning. But I want to take you back to the traveler for a moment. We read in Mark of those things that defile the man on the inside. This is an interesting passage of Scripture. One of the most awesome aspects of the Word of God is that God never lets His men. He never hides sin in men in Scripture. He never lets the secret sin of men. He never lets them get away with it. The awesome thing is God always deals with men and on their depravity openly. But He always brings restoration and forgiveness and mercy and grace even though there is always consequences. Here God is dealing with David and his sin. You all know the story. I don't have to repeat it for you. He's dealing here with the sin in David's life of his adulterous affair with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. Now here's the good thing. A year has passed. God gave David a year to repent. That was the mercy of God. Listen, here's the thing. You may have hidden sin or you may be given in to sin and you think you've got away with it. No, the reason it hasn't been exposed yet is that the mercy of God is allowing you the opportunity to make things right with him. The mercy of God. Why he waited a year to confront David is that God wanted to give David the opportunity to come to him on his own. He wanted to give David the opportunity that out of the guilt and the sin that was in his life, the Bible tells us in, in Psalms 51, in his repentance, and in, in, his, uh, in, in uh, 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 Psalms 85, the Bible tells us this. It tells us that David, that David had no peace in his life. But I'm here to tell you, just as Psalms 85 says, mercy and truth will meet together. What happened was on that day, righteousness and peace had kissed each other. Listen, when God's mercy meets your sin, it's when righteousness and peace meet together. I'm here to tell you this morning that as we lay down areas of our life, the mercy of God is there to pick it up. Years ago, Brother Keith used to say this all the time. I don't know if he made it up. He thinks he did, but I don't know if he did or not. He calls a lot of things his that's not. But he used to say this years ago. He used to say, sin will take you further than you want to go. And it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. That's a great statement. That statement had an impact on my life as a young man. Matthew Henry said it like this. Though God may suffer his people to fall into sin, he will not suffer his people to lie in it. I'm here to tell you, if you're part of God's kingdom you may, you may, he may allow you to make choices that can bring consequences on your life and difficulty on your life. But the good thing is, though God allows you free will, God will always come after you. He will not let you lie there and die. He has made provision for you this morning. So the traveler 
This traveler is wandering through, and the owner takes him in. I'm here to tell you, you can't stop a traveler from coming by, but you don't have to let him in your house. The problem is, is that once the traveler is in your house, he has to be fed. Once the traveler is, you've allowed the traveler to come in your house, he starts demanding things because you've allowed him in. And once the traveler gets in your house, something precious has to die. Just as, just as Nathan told David, he said something had to die. Something that was innocent had to die. Something had to die. Listen, when you invite sin into your life to remain, you have to feed it, but also you must understand there's something innocent that will die in your life when you allow sin to reign in your life. Something precious will die. A marriage will die. A relationship will die. Purity will die. Holiness will die. Freedom will die. Something precious will die when you open the door to the traveler because once he gets in, he's got to be fed. The traveler comes into our lives and he wants to take from us. And though you can't stop the traveler from coming in, the traveler represents those thoughts in our minds. Those temptations that come, those things that come again, the traveler is sin. It's evil thoughts. It's lustful thoughts. It's our evil deeds. The traveler is there to entice you to do and to be and to be with yourself. Listen what the meaning of this word is in the Hebrew. It means someone who only cares about himself. The traveler comes with a selfish agenda. The traveler comes. Not to build you up, but to take from you. He doesn't come to add anything to your life, but to steal from your life. All those things I read to you in Mark chapter 7 are things that rob you and steal you. What do you think the enemy wants to do? He wants to rob and kill and destroy and to take from you. And just like David, as he allowed that lust to get in his life, he allowed that lust to get a hold of him. Nobody was around. David was self-autonomy. I've said this before. The reason why David struggled was because he removed everybody in his life that could tell him no. All the kings had gone out to war, and all of David's mighty men were at war, but David was home by himself. He isolated himself. He was home by himself. There's danger in self-autonomy. Y'all hearing me this morning? There's danger in self-autonomy. There's danger in being self-ruled. There's danger in not having people around you that can tell you no and speak into your life and challenge you. If you can't be corrected by somebody, you're in a dangerous place. David's mighty men were gone and David was left to himself. And I don't care how, the Bible said David was a man after God's own heart. Nobody worshiped like David. It goes to show us that it doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are or how strong you think you are. The truth is, you start isolating yourself away from God and away from people that build your life and strengthen you and encourage you, you will die on the vine. Something precious is going to die. Why do you think these preachers fall? It's because they get despondent and offended at their congregations and they remove people from their lives who can bring correction to their lives. They don't have strong relationships, so they isolate themselves away and alone, and all of a sudden they begin to do things that satisfies their flesh. 
And they wake up one day and they realize they've lost their ministry, they've lost their trust, they've lost everything. Why? Because they opened the door to the traveler. And it's not just preachers. It's businessmen. It's people in the congregation. Let me, let me just give you a statistic that I read this week. Dr. Michael Brown, he posted something this week and he talked about, he said 65% of all Christians watch pornography on a daily basis. Listen to me. Listen to me. The traveler is knocking on the doors of people's lives and we're opening the door and we're letting the traveler in. And what happens is it leads to secret sin and secret bondages. That's disturbing. I told you two weeks ago on Thursday night, 80% of high school teenagers between 18 and 35 are having sex outside of marriage. 85%. 80%. 80% of Christians. You know why? Listen, you, you're like, okay, uh, enough with all the statistics, Pat. No, I'm, no, 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 you need to know this. You need to know this because we're full of bondage. The church is full of bondage. That's why nobody out there can get free. Because we keep feeding the traveler in our life. And we pay attention to him. We have to entertain him. We have our focuses on him. We become obsessed with our jobs. We become obsessed with everything that surrounds us. And we forget that our freedom is key. Why? Why is our freedom key? Because the church is the vehicle that God uses to transform the world. And if we're not free, they can't be free. No, listen, there's a crazy world out there. All you have to do is turn on the news. I'm telling you, they're nuts. They're absolutely nuts. I can't even watch the news. I can't even watch them. They're crazy. They're making laws that are absolutely ludicrous. That goofball in San Francisco, he made a law this week. He said he refuses to arrest people that urinate on the street anymore. I'm telling you, where does that come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. Romans 1. It comes from sin not being dealt with. And it comes from the church not walking in the power of dominion, of the authority of the name of Jesus and the word of God and walking in the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ. We want to reason with them. You can't reason with a nutcase. Paul said, listen, Paul had gone into Athens and he argued with the philosophers. He argued with them all. And the Bible said when he left Athens, I'm paraphrasing, he was discouraged. And he went down to Corinth. And the first thing he said was, I come to you with not enticing words of man's wisdom, but I've come to you with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, the church better get back to releasing the power of the Holy Ghost in the church. We want to philosophize and talk about how, you know, 
patty cake and, and kumbaya and love and kisses and love and kisses. And what happens is we gather people in the church and they sit here on Sunday and they're not free. They leave out of here, they're not free. They come back the next week and they're not free. You know why? Because we're afraid of the power of God. I want to tell you, it was the power of God that convinced me. It was the power of God that touched me. It was the power of God that freed me. Well, pastor, I don't want to do that shaking. Let me tell you, you need shaking. Well, pastor, I don't know. I don't want to be pushed down. I don't, I, and nobody wants to push you down. I'll just be happy if you bow to knee. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? I mean, we're fighting with each other. We're fighting against the Spirit. We're fighting against what God wants to do. Well, Pastor, you're all just emotional. Well, maybe, yeah, there are a few. There are a few we need to hog tie. But the power of God is not all rolling around on the floor and looking like you've been possessed by some kind of the power of God is the manifest presence of the power of God that comes on you that produces transformation. And whether that comes out you and you being filled with the Holy Ghost or whether it comes out and you weeping or whether it comes out with you on the prostate on the floor praying with God or whether it comes out with you laying in your bed at home, I don't care how it comes out. We need a revival of the presence of God again. Stop being ashamed of being a Christian. Stop. I said stop being ashamed of being a Christian. Man, I don't want to offend them. They're already offended. Their life is an offense. Why not join, get on the list? They got everybody else on the list. Just jump on it. I'm talking too much. I'm here to tell you the traveler's coming. The traveler comes and he has to be fed. The traveler comes. The traveler will come when... When there's idleness in your life, the travel needs to be entertained. The Bible said David looked, and when he saw Bathsheba, that's the traveler knocking. Ain't nothing wrong with looking. Or, we was in Key West a couple years ago, we was on a cruise. I'm telling you, this world's crazy. We happened to land in Key West, and we got off the cruise. We were going to go shop, and, and we forgot that it was the end of October. And every October is a month where everybody in Key West wears no clothes. <laughs> well, might as well. They have parade after parade. They have pride parades. They, have, they paint their bodies. With, they have no clothes on. And we walked out, we walked, we just got off the boat, we walked, we went into this shop, we came out of the shop, there's a 70-year-old woman. I said 70-year-old woman, y'all. 70 years old. And all she had on was a fishnet dress. I said, dear Jesus. First of all, there's two problems. One is, that's disgusting. Number two, somebody needs to tell that woman that at 70, you don't wear stuff like that. And it was just full debauchery. But what happens is, 
It said that David, he looked, and when he saw, the Bible said he continued to look. His eyes engaged, and then what happened is after he engaged, after he engaged, then became purpose. And what happens is you have to feed the traveler. You have to entertain the traveler. You have to entertain that traveler, and the traveler has to be entertained. And what happened is, is that David inquired of Bathsheba. He gazed, and as he looked upon and lusted upon, what happened was, all of a sudden now, he went beyond looking. He went to the place of inquiring. In other words, he had to entertain the traveler and the thought. Now, I don't know. Lust may not be your problem. But I'm here to tell you there may be things in your life that you have to constantly entertain. Maybe it's gossip that you have to entertain. Maybe it's a tongue problem. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, it's a gossip or maybe it's something else that you have to always be engaged in. Maybe it's a drug problem. Maybe it's an addiction problem. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a problem that, that, that holds you, that you can't get hold of. You just can't let it pass by. You've got to entertain it. And then all of a sudden, David gave in, and we all know the traveler, when the traveler leaves, the traveler will leave you a bill, and it'll be a price you can't pay. It left him with a pregnant woman that was not his wife. It left him with the death of his best friend and his chief soldier, Uriah, who he had the plan to kill. Listen, it never ends. You have to keep covering up. You have to keep covering up. You have to keep hiding it. You have to keep, keep feeding it. Keep giving into it. Finally, it cost him the death of one of his children. Later in life, the consequences of that came out of the fact that David's children rose up against him in rebellion. He had to fight his son Absalom, who rose up against him. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't deal but the thing that keeps you from being free this morning, that thing will rise up and leave a bill in your life you can't pay. A consequence that you can't pay. Adam, if you'll come this morning. But there's hope this morning. I said there's hope this morning. How do you overcome the traveler? How do you overcome these things that are listed in Mark chapter 7? How do you overcome them? How do you be overcome? How do you overcome being oppressed by the devil? Where the enemy has had dominion over your life and pushed you down and has dominion. How do you overcome what Mark said? Mark said it like this, for within... For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed thoughts of adulteries, fornication, murderers, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within which defile a man. Listen, I know this is a hard message this morning, and I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend you. And I know that I'm not preaching turn, burn. Listen, you don't know Jesus this morning? You don't know Jesus this morning? The choice you make, the consequences of that, you die and go to a godless hell, to a place that's without God. You're here and you don't know Jesus this morning, I'd run to this altar. I'd run. I would not want to die this morning without Jesus. He's my fire insurance. <laughs> How many know it's good to have a good fire policy? Well, I got one on my house. 
Why would I have one on things that I have natural things of and not have one on my spirit? I got fire insurance on my car. You can go out there and set it on fire. Go ahead. I got it insured. Bible says, why do we worry about the man that can bring harm to the body and bring death to the body, but not worry about the one who can place your soul in hell? We become more fearful of men than we do God. We respond to the fear of man quicker than we respond to God. I'm here to tell you, we better start learning how to respond to the Holy Spirit. You better start learning how to respond to the voice of God. This nation better wake up and better start listening to the voice of God. I'm not mad. I'm not pushing. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being negative. I'm not trying to beat on you this morning. I'm not trying to. I'm just telling you I know there are people here that your freedom is not. You're not free. And you can sit there if you want and lie to me. I'm here to tell you you're not free. So how do we find freedom? Stand with me this morning. I'm going to tell you three ways real quickly. And then we're going to have you come. Number one, you must submit to God. Your submission level will determine the, your authority level. The level that you submit to God will tell us the authority that you have in the kingdom of God. You submit to God. The Bible tells us, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded men. The word submit there comes from a word that means unbroken companionship. It means unbroken companionship. To be submitted to God means I have unbroken relationship with God. And it's not a submission to obedience. That's not what the phrase of the word means. It means a submission of the will. There's a difference in submission to obedience and submission of the will. Listen. You can have somebody, like my kids, my kids can submit in obedience, but that don't mean their heart is submitted. Right? I can tell them to do something, and they may not like having to do it, and they may submit to it in obedience, but in their heart, they're like, I ain't doing it. Because there's a big difference in, in the submission of obedience and the submission of will. This is talking about the submission of your will. It's talking about totally yielding yourself to the companionship of God in your life. Are you hearing me this morning? It means, listen, there's the order. First you submit, then you can resist. You can't resist until you submit. Submit, resist, it means drawing a line. It's a verb in the aorist tense. It's an imperative in the Greek. It means this. It means no other choice but to choose God. It means to draw a line. When you resist the devil, you're drawing a line. Submit your will to God, then draw a line and resist him. And say, devil, you're not crossing this line, and I'm not crossing this line. Whew. I'm telling you, this is a good message this morning because I'm about ready to get saved again. Submit to be placed under orders. It's like a military commander that gives you orders. Those of you that's in the military, if a commander tells you to do something, you do it. You come up under orders. It's submission to the will. Secondly, you have to close every open door. 
You have to close every open door. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or chapter 10, or chapter 2, verse 10. Paul was dealing with the Corinthian church. And what happened is there was this man that needed discipline, and they disciplined him, and Paul was correcting them because they disciplined him too hard. Paul said, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And when I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan may not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. In other words, what Paul was saying is, listen, if you don't forgive him, if you don't allow him to have restoration, there will be, the devil will outwit you and use that offense against you. That's why we don't hold on to unforgiveness because what happens is Satan uses it to outwit you. He uses it as the schemes to bring destruction to your life. You open the door. You open the door to him. We can't be opening doors to Satan. The Bible says, if you're anger, if you are angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Don't Store up. Don't allow relationships to break. Don't give a foothold to habits and relationships. When you give the enemy a foothold, you're opening the door for the traveler. You got to close the door. You got to close the door this morning. We're closing the door this morning. By the authority, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Word of God. By the blood of Jesus, we're closing doors this morning. We're closing footholds this morning. We're submitting ourselves. And finally, you got to confront your enemy. I said, you got to confront your enemy. For though we live in a world we do not wrestle, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power and demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and we make it into the obedience of Christ. In other words, we just don't do it once, we do it every day. We do it every day. You have to confront the devil every day. Some of you got to say, in the name of Jesus, I'm getting my marriage back. In the name of Jesus, I'm getting my innocence back. And what I want to do this morning. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.